how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. The Crown, led by director Stephen Daldry and screenwriter Peter Morgan, recently got a 10-year approval to build and expand period London streets with the aid of cinematographer Adriano Goldman. Goldman's known for Jane Eyre, Sin Nombre, and Trash. The Brazilian cinematographer helped create the film-like atmosphere on the television series for Netflix. With Daldry, the two have developed a creative partnership to inspire cast and crew. Goldman's tone-setting work on episodes like Smoke and Mirror swept the Emmys and Golden Globes, making him an ASC Award winner. In this interview, Goldman discusses how his career goals shifted from director to cinematographer, how he got involved with The Crown, how they created a realistic look and tone, how he deals with time on set, and what fans can expect from the new characters and the new look this season. The funny thing is that the, usually um, the first thing that I can, that I really, really remember is when I, I think I was probably around maybe 12, 12, 13. And I remember getting absolutely fascinated by the Jacques Cousteau documentaries. I'm not sure if you're aware of them. I, well, there was basically wildlife, you know, uh, uh, documentaries. But I remember that was the very first time I actually realized, because this was also very particular about his style. He used to show the divers, the, the camera operators, actually getting ready to either dive or, you know, go or whatever after the lions or gorillas or whatever. So I remember re that was the very first time I actually realized that there was somebody actually shooting that, you know. So less, when you, for the first time, I actually realized there was, you know, professionals doing that. Instead of just watching a documentary and getting fascinated by the wildlife, I started immediately thinking, wow, there's a diver there behind the camera shooting that shark or whatever. I remember vividly realizing there was awesome you know, I really felt like, oh, this is really awesome. Those guys, they travel, you know, they get the cameras and the, the equipment. And, you know, I just got absolutely fascinated right away. And then a few years later, I, I this is what, you know, back in Brazil, 
I then I to, I went to university in Sao Paulo. Uh, I was doing journalism, so I was hoping to become a journalist. And then halfway through, two years later, um, my father bought me an internship on a TV station in Sao Paulo. And then from that point onwards, I realized that I was not going to be, I was not, I don't know, writing was not my thing. Uh, and imagery or, you know, being behind the cameras, even shooting like, you know, news, uh, whatever, you know, just was a news station basically. So it was not, you know, as interesting as doing, you know, the beautiful documentaries I had seen a few years earlier. But it felt to me that was an interesting first step anyway. And it was very much so. I remember that, you know, my goal, you know, by then, even when I was an, uh, just an intern, was, you know, I was absolutely dreaming about being able to hold the camera, you know, for the first time. And then that took me a few a few more years. Then I joined... Um, O2 films, you know, if I'm not sure if you're aware, O2 is the, the production company behind City of God, for instance. And that I was like 18 or 19, so that was my second job, the internship on a TV station, and then a production company, small one, local one in Sao Paulo. And then we started doing commercials a few a few years later, a couple years later, and then that took me to, you know, then I got to know the the best TPs we had in town by then, the guys that used to shoot commercials and, you know, more expensive stuff and feature films. And then little by little, and I was still, at that point, my choice was, I, w- I was still thinking that I would become a director. So I was, I was like a first AD for a few years, especially on like on commercials mainly. And I, I just realized, well, this is an interesting way to learn the craft but this is definitely not what I'm going to do. I really want to be, you know, I really want to be a camera operator or a DP or so. So it was a, like a slow process. Then I, you know, I finally did my first, you know, documentaries at at that same comp- uh, production company. And then MTV came to Brazil in 92. Then I moved to, to MTV and then I started doing my first music videos as a DP, and that's the best way to learn because you're supposed to be bold. You're supposed to, you know, be creative and try different things for different artists and different musics and certain different songs. So it was an interesting school, you know, that period we had when MTV was really strong from 92 to 96, more or less. I think I did something close to 50 uh, uh, music videos for local artists, and then from then to commercials and short films and feature films. So it was a very kind of, uh, um, I, I wouldn't say unusual, but I think the more usual or the more the, the, the usual trajectory for a DP, I think maybe 80% of the DPs start on uh, as a, as an intern on the camera crew, and then you become a loader, and then you become a focus puller, and eventually camera operator and then a DP. So that was a little different for me. You know, I think I started learning more about directing and editing because I was, you know, as I told you, an AD for a few years. And then I finally could get hold of, you know, my passion. And, you know, uh, then I could, I, I 
started asking questions for my DPs or the DPs that we used to have on the commercials, I was way more interested on lenses and cameras than I was on, you know, acting and writing, to be honest. And I knew that right away. So, yeah, it took me a while to be able to transfer from directing. That was the path I was, you know, at that point thinking that I was going to take. And then... I slowly shifted to the camera team and op- operating camera and then GPing myself, yes. You know, so a lot of, like when I was younger, I, I assumed that a cinematographer and director were the same job, at least when I was very young. Um, oh, you see. Oh, yeah, maybe that, that was the mistake I made, yeah. <laughs> no, people still ask me. I mean, it's kind of frequently, even today, that people ask me, I mean, do you want do you want to be a director? Do you want to direct? And I think my usual my usual kind of answer is that, well, in a project like The Crown, for instance, or City of Men, uh, that I did in, in Rio, uh, this is back in 2000, 2001 and two, uh, I DP'd, like, I think, 90% of the episodes, and I directed two of them. But that's different, because it, even the cast can be very supportive. I remember Remember the cast asking me, why Why don't you take one? I mean, you know everybody. You know how to do this. So just try. Uh, and I did direct, you know, a few music videos, a few commercials, a couple episodes on City of Man. So eventually when they asked me, I said, well, if, I'm, if you're talking about a Crown episode, maybe, maybe, because I wouldn't feel so anxious. Uh, you know, about, it's a different job anyway. And I'm, you know, it, 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 this close connection with actors and acting and, you know, and the script demands something, demands something different from, uh, you know, when you, when you're so used to be a GP, it doesn't feel appealing to me. You know, I'm not saying I'm never going to do it, but I think I, I really enjoy doing what I do. I really love my, my job and, you know, the, also the privilege of working with different directors, different artists, different visions, so I think it's, I don't know, it just doesn't feel that I should. This is a, you know, it feels like it's a, it's a natural step. And I no, I don't think it is for me. I think I'm quite happy doing what I do, yeah. How did you first get, get involved with The Crown? I think you had some connections with some of the directors and creators, but uh, what made you want to take on this project? Well, I did 360 uh, back in 2011 with Fernando Meirelles. That was written by Peter Morgan. So, uh, so I met Peter Morgan. We, we, you know, we have a good kind of understanding. And then I did uh, Trash with Stephen Daldry in Rio, not written by Peter, but, you know, Stephen Daldry came over. We had this amazing experience in Rio with this, those three kids, and Stephen absolutely loved the gig, and we got, a, we got along really, really well. And then he came back to Rio, this is, I think, September 2014, to to release the film, and then I I don't know I don't really remember how I I I already knew about the Crown or I knew he was involved on some TV show or TV project, so I just basically asked him. So is this, is it true? I mean, are you doing this thing for Netflix? He said yes. So uh, would you consider me? He said, would you want to do it? Well, yes, I do. Why? This was his first question. Why? This is just TV. Why do you want to do it? Well, I want to do it because you 
you want to do it, and I trust your taste, and I trust Peter Morgan. So I think I, I just believe something interesting is coming out of, you know, from this collaboration between you two guys. And he said, well, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. But it's about the royal family. We're not even sure this is – it's a – okay, well, whatever, let's try. It says, he said right away, I mean, if you want to do it, it's yours. Just call my producer. I'll call my producers tomorrow, and I'll have them calling you. And then that was, it was really that easy. Honestly, I just said, I want to do it. He said, so, okay, fine. You're welcome on board. And uh, we said, so I did the first season with Steven and another two directors. Um, I then was introduced to Ben Karen. Uh, I'm going to say the junior director on season one, the youngest one. And then he did three episodes on season two. So I shot six episodes on season one, different directors, five episodes on season two, two different directors, Steven again and, Pete, and, and Ben Karen. Now I'm doing six episodes on season three with Ben Karen again, because now he's the lead director. He's directing the first four episodes, the first four. So we're doing now this huge block, the four episodes back to back. And then I'm going to do the last one as well, at 10, with a different director, a newcomer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm part part of the team, very much so. Yeah, part of the creative team. Because we we kind of, we, we like from scratch somehow, you know, we all came up with this look. You know, Martin Childs, the designer, Michelle Pratman, the costume designer we had on season one, uh, and Steven, and uh, um, Philip Martin, that was, you know, that actually the first director I had I worked with. Because ironically, Steven brought me in, but he was, and he directed apps one and two, but he was not the first one. Uh, we had to shoot apps three and five first because of his schedule, whatever. He was super busy doing a play or something. I don't really remember what was the reason anyway. So we started doing apps three and five that somehow established the look. And then with Stephen supervising the whole thing, and then Stephen took over. Then we shoot, we shot apps one and two, and then seven and nine with Ben Karen. I never really thought I was coming back for season three, but Ben Karen is now a very good friend, and I really, really enjoy working with him very, very much. He's, you know, young and super excited, uh, such a hard worker. So it's just been a pleasure. Now we're doing four episodes back to back. And it's, of course, it's tiring, but it's, it's, it's really a joy. I mean, he has this very light way of dealing with this huge challenge and it just makes everybody's life easy, easier. Yeah. So such a, yeah, such a mature director for his age. I think that's my point. Yeah. When you're having these conversations, are you mainly, you know, you're, you're preparing to do the lighting and that kind of thing. Are you mainly discussing uh, a tone of the script and the story, the overall arc of the story when you're deciding the bolder colors and, and the lights and everything else? How do you kind of come to that conclusion? I mean, it's really hard to put it like in just a couple of phrases. The thing, I think the, the starting point for us was what, how can I say this, the anti-reference or all the references that we didn't want to be compared to. Do you know what I mean? So we didn't want to be compared to Downton Abbey, for instance, 
because Downton Abbey was really big two years ago. And we also came with this kind of concept that it shouldn't be Hollywood-like. It shouldn't be glossy or, or, you know, why do we want uh, fake backlights? I mean, can we just work with a, a very kind of realistic look that we do believe the locations, we do believe the furniture, we believe the costumes, we believe that they, they are real people. Uh, not in a documental way, but we did everything we could to make it look real, almost touchable, if you know what I mean. So uh, that was the the overall, I'm going to say, main concept. How, what what can we do to achieve a realistic look? Period, but also realistic, something that you can really connect and believe. Can can we? So even like. The lens choice. Uh, we do want to be physically close to the actors. We want to be able to feel the skin, see the skin, see you know every every hair. So instead of relying on long lenses because they are more filmic in a sense, but that somehow makes you feel away or apart from the action, almost like watching something from a distance. We always wanted to be close to the actors, close to the acting, almost like being able to feel the breath, if you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, for instance, like a few days, just a couple of days ago, I was watching Revenant for the third time. And you, and it's on a, on a couple shots, he actually, the breath, his breath actually fogs the lens. So, you know that we, of course, we didn't go that far, uh, but it's if it, we just wanted to be close to the action. So you know, it's like a, a series of kind of not very strong rules, but we somehow embraced this concept. We want to be physically close to the actors. We uh, we don't want to try funny angles. You know, you know, low angle shots or shots that cannot be justified from a realistic approach. So I think that was the goal. From from my perspective, it was always about um, lighting the set from outside. So you should be able to believe that the light is coming from, from outside in. Uh, it's also very strategic in the sense that you I can always deliver. That's That's been my dream, not only on the crown, but throughout career, let's say, is that I love when you deliver sets that are almost empty. So the first rehearsals can happen quite quite freely. And I've seen actors like kind of asking, I mean, is this it? I mean, are you guys ready? Can we can we shoot? Well, yeah, yes, we are ready for the wide shots. I'm probably going to need to bring something in for the close-ups. But yes, you can rehearse and we can shoot right away. So this also gives me, you know, uh, it, it, the feedback you get from the actors when you can give them freedom, when they step into a set that there's no stands or flags, or uh, it's really interesting. And and that was very much the case on you know even Jane Eyre that I shot eight years ago. That was very much the same approach. I mean, lights coming. I I as an artist, as a, as a, as a DP, I want to believe what I see. So you know, even when I somehow need to, for some reason, technical reason even, to be, bring a backlight or something that I do not believe, unless there's a practical in the background, 
that justifies that same backlight. I just don't buy it. I just don't use it. I that's that has been always my thing. You know, can be a contemporary film or a period film. I just want to be able to believe it. Uh, of course, that can change depending on the director you're working with. I mean, if he, the guy eventually wants a more uh, fantasy kind of look or super glossy or do you know what I mean? I mean, it really depends on the other creative forces or minds involved on the project. But for some reason, good one, good ones, I hope, we all agreed that we that's that's the look that we all wanted to pursue. I mean, realistic, believable, not glossy, uh, hazy eventually, but not too glossy. So, yeah. So I think it's hard to put it in just, you know, a couple sentences because, you know, this happens, you know, throughout, I don't know, maybe 10 prep weeks. Then you then you have your first camera, your first camera tests, and then you have your actors for the first time, and then you have your actors uh, wearing the costumes. So little by little, you build up the style. Then you finally go to one of the locations for like a, a like a, a proper test where you can actually apply your lighting method. Can I finally have my sources outside and see how this place is going to look? And then you, you know, you just get, you need to be, you also need to be convinced and, you know, you need to be able to convince the designer and the directors that that's doable, that's going to look great. Then, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good look and it's a good strategy because I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of special series we do, I think we shoot an average of three pages a day, which is kind of generous, but it's still a, a tough, a tough schedule sometimes. So, you know, you, you, you have to manage time as much as you manage, you know, acting and, 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 and camera shots or, or, or how, how, I mean, every day we have this discussion. I mean, how many shots we can afford with the, the time we have left to shoot this specific scene. So it's not like, you know, you have all the time, you want you you have to you know shoot that location one day and next day you're going to be somewhere else so there's no pickups either you complete the day or you you're in trouble so i mean it's very much you know uh, it's luxurious in a sense it's very generous it's a very good budget but you still you know you still face the same challenges yeah, the difference is, I think, from my perspective as a GP, when you come back to a show like I did on season two or season three, I mean, the comfort level is higher because you know everybody. You don't have to question yourself every on every single setup. I mean, do I like this? Can I do better than this? Or is this good because it's consistent? This is very much like the crown should look. Do I need to question myself every single time or, you know, it's, it's just different. I mean, of course, the challenges are still very much there, specifically now on season three, because it's a different cast. It's a different period. We can finally embrace modern architecture. We can finally embrace modern, modern furniture and costumes. So the season three is going to look different anyway. You don't need to try too hard. Do you know what I mean? So I think you can, if you still stay on that same look, at the very end, it's going to end up looking differently, different. And that's what we've seen, to be honest. We've seen a few scenes, uh, um, rough cuts from, you know, the first scenes we did on, this is 
week five, I think, on season three. And it's already looking different. I mean, it's consistent. You recognize the show, but it's a different, it's a different look. Yeah. It's a, there is an evolution uh, uh, from season two to three. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.